plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome back to, I used to say Warriors All 82 podcast, I guess it is the crossover with the Warriors Plus Minus that is still going many weeks into quarantine. You're not hearing Marcus Thompson at the start of this podcast because we've given him the week off, but Tim Kawakami and Ethan Strauss are here and even before the podcast, they're already sounding very pessimistic about this NBA restart. Ethan Gloom just pervading over all of us. Got us all, well, you know what? No Warriors in it, although although I know Slater's in it, though. We can talk about that. Slater actually isn't a Warrior writer right now. He's a Lakers writer. I got to promo <laughs> my new Lakers podcast, so we exactly. can talk about that later, sure. <laughs> it's amazing that he's he's using up time to, to, to talk about Warriors. I, I, we may not even talk about Warriors on the show. Uh, so I'm a little disconnected from it. I'm not in on the, the daily ups and downs of this because we got other things and we don't have to worry about how we're going to play this with the Warriors. But Ethan has written plenty on this. He's talked to people. He's got a story coming out later today, I believe, if he files it on time. Um, you still gloomy? You still gloomy about this potential playoff bubble? I am gloomy about the potential, but I am impressed by the resolve of the NBA, where it just seems like it's full speed ahead no matter what. And to be clear, I am impressed with the ambition of it and trying to do a big project and if they pull it off and pull it off safely then i commend them but i almost look at it a little bit like we're about to watch evil knievel do the jump over the flaming train with a tub of sharks and whatever is under that we'll wait to see if they land the jump i mean that's kind of how i, I look at and it meanwhile they got people jumping off the motorcycle which knievel <laughs> never did you know? yeah they got people ah! jumping off well, well I, okay so I, i'm writing an article on the TBT and the guy who effectively runs that, Albert Hall, if you're familiar with Summer League, then you'll know who he is. Warren Legary, that's part of the drinking game when Warren Legary is Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that, that one was cool. You knew that one was coming. That one was an obvious. It just looks like that is such more of a manageable situation. And he was expressing some of the lessons he learned running this tournament up there at their site in Ohio and how the NBA is trying to do a crazy hard thing because at the TBT it's single elimination. So you're always shrinking your bubble and they had some positive cases. They have a very draconian rule of one person from a team test positive. The team is just gone. There's just eliminated. They're out. Yeah. I don't think the NBA can do that. one. Yeah. The NBA is not going to do that. And so they have more people. They're not doing this single elimination where the odds start to shift in your favor as the bubble shrinks. I think there's some indications that there will be um, some contact with family and whatnot. I'm still a little hazy on how that all goes. And it occurred to me as I was doing this interview, not that I've ever been accused of being an optimist on this front, that the NBA is trying to do something that's uh, pretty hard. Pretty hard was my takeaway. Well, I was just looking at the dates here. So they're basically rep- all reporting. Some are there already, but they're reporting. This week. To many of them coming today. Coming it's today. spread out, I think, over three days because they don't want to intake every single team on the same day. So I think, I know the Lakers are going two days from now. Lakers uh, are probably <laughs> going to be good. Probably going to be uh, in there for a while too. Yeah, uh, But playing tournament, 
is August 16, 17. So they literally are not going to have anybody eliminated. Everybody's going to be there essentially till August 15th. That's from now until August 15th is obviously more than a month. Five weeks, whatever. Give yeah, or and you'll eliminate That's a six lot of time. Yeah, and then you eliminate six. And then they're going to play the first round. We'll play the play-in. And then they're going to play the first round. So you're essentially going to have a lot. You're going to have a lot of teams. 20 teams. You know, let's just say 20 teams generally until August 18th. 22. 22. 22 until August 8th. Well, the play-in tournament, and, and, and then the, then the first round begins on August, August 18th. That's a lot of bodies. That's a lot of bodies. It's a lot of coaches. It's a lot of staff. I think it's 37 people per team, which is a lot. For asymptomatic people, it might take you 10 days to show up on a test. So just uh, there's this delayed, <laughs> this delayed factor where you might be carrying it and not know it for, for a while, and there's just a lot of unknowns right there. And you know, obviously, we're with the Major League Baseball. There's there's been testing delays, and there's been worries about you know, what if you test negative, but you're really a positive? What if you're positive, you really test negative? There's some some doubts about the accuracy of all this. I would say the math is certainly leads you to believe that there will be issues, since there's been issues everywhere else. Do they have the the process in place to deal with you know three players getting it on one team? What do you do next? Do you just forfeit games? Do you pull them out? I don't know that they know this yet. And I think we're gonna we're gonna find out on a case by case basis because I, I don't know that they can know how they're gonna deal with every one of these things. The two I don't know I guess more optimistic arguments or, or helpful aspects for the NBA I think number one they are putting a crazy amount of money into this and as we all know like the more money just means just the the more ability to do stuff where you know Ethan's mentioning the TBT and don't get me wrong what their undertaking was nothing like the NBA's, but their budget was also nothing like the NBA's. And I just, I do think the amount of money allows the NBA to just do some, some creative stuff. And number two, if we are going to predict potential, as Ethan said, like, you know, they get there, they're negative and then, uh, but they really have it. And then they spread it around and, and there's a little outbreaks. We'll probably expect that more earlier than later, just because uh, while you're trying to set up the bubble, essentially, and those early games, those early days, even through the seeding into August 15th, those games don't really matter that much. You know, for example, a team like the Lakers is five and a half games up in the West. And if LeBron James or if four Lakers got it three weeks after being there and they were going to be out for 14 days, well, their games don't really matter for about a you know a month, month and a half of being in Orlando. So there is kind of a lower stakes lead up to where an outbreak wouldn't just crumble the playoffs because the playoffs are, are still a long way away from starting. Ethan, you, you've written that maybe they waited too long, and, and maybe they did. I probably probably did. But like if they play it out, if they slow I – mean, I think they're doing these eight games because they want Zion Williamson in it. They want more markets involved. There's clearly a practical element to this, financial element. But also, you know, yeah, you spread it out, and, and, and then you see where you are – by the time the games are really serious and we're talking, you know, middle of August, maybe, you know, if you look at some of these potential one, eight matchups, two, seven matchups, it could be, you know, not until the second round where some of these games are even halfway serious for the top teams. Maybe that's part of it too. I don't know. I mean, you know, or just a accidental potential benefit from letting it linger this long from backing it up so late, you know, they could have had players arriving two weeks ago, right? I mean, they could have, uh, and and they didn't for some reasons and and, and you know maybe not all of them perfectly logical. I think they were still setting it up too. Yeah, they're still setting up. If we're playing the hindsight game, because uh, to be clear on all this stuff, I would not want to be Adam Silver 
trying to figure this out. I, I don't look at this as, oh my god, they're idiots. How could they not do this or that? This is an unprecedented situation. There are so many considerations. But I guess if we're gaming it out with how should it have gone, if we're saying that this is going to be really hard to pull off, you know, what should they have done? I would float the idea that maybe it should have been like a TBT, maybe it should have been a playoffs that single elimination and happening earlier, rather than effectively trying to have a season in a bubble indoors where this thing spreads so much more so than outside. Uh, it, it seems like in trying to make a bunch of parties happy, they might have bit off more than they can chew. And I'll stand to be corrected and, again, congratulate them and go, oh, my God, you did it. Incredible if they if they pull it off. But I'm just looking at this and I'm going, man, this might be too long a putt that you guys set up for yourselves. And if you're looking at the other leagues, you know, you see what's going on with the soccer. It's, it's you know, teams getting pulled out. It's a large, and what I can see from baseball it's what teams, what locker rooms, really, not just teams, what, what players, what leadership is disciplined and can keep everybody working under the protocols. Can try, and I, I think you still can get it. I mean, I mean, we all know that, but be as safe as possible. Maintain discipline within the locker room, within the bubble, within the hotel rooms, and we'll see if the NBA is that discipline. And so far, you know, you've seen some lack of discipline in, in other sports or just some outbreaks. That almost can't be helped, but they're going to be in the bubble. Whatever you've been exposed to outside the bubble, once you get in and test negative, they want to maintain that. Now, we'll see if they are. It's going to be very important. And what that security is going to be like, you know, they're basically going to make sure that players aren't wandering out. We'll see. You know, I mean, not just players, staffers. When are they going to be able to see family members? How is that going to be monitored? All this, I think, is going to be the big, big, big part of this, if if the intake is done correctly, and, and I imagine with the money they have, it will be done as as well as they possibly can. That's where the money matters, where you look at this MLB, and I know you know you guys have, Tim, you've been looking at this A's situation, where it's like, what, how many days, you know, they take the test, and how, how long is it until they get the results? Have they got the results yet? They finally got the results last night. Last night they got them, yeah, from Friday, from Friday. Yeah. And like... That can't happen, particularly in this bubble. And I think that's where the NBA's money, you know, and their budget comes into the play where it's like they are, they should have top level tests that you know right away. And that very much allows you to tame outbreaks, right? It's almost like a mini. There's cover. a little bit of Jurassic Park life will find a way in this because the issue, yeah, you got money, but you don't have the money to have a test that's going to tell you immediately when somebody has it it appears it appears that there is a lag between when somebody has it and when it shows up on the test and as it was told to me by the guy running the tbt albert hall uh with 90 percent of asymptomatic it's 10 days and so now you know when you're asymptomatic, what does that mean as far as transmission goes? At that point, that's above my pay grade. I do not know. But it just seems like even if you're not asymptomatic, there's a significant lag. So there is an element where you might have all the money in the world, but you might be gripping water. I mean, it's just it might not be so easy to contain this. Well, so I think maybe a good precedent to look at is when the season was paused, right? Gobert had it, and it was like, oh, geez, Gobert has it. Test the entire Jazz, and Donovan Mitchell had it. And, you know, that would be yeah. a terrible situation for Utah at the wrong time, obviously, if those two are out. But that's not got to shut down the league. You know, it was at the time. Now, currently, it is not shut down the league worthy. It's just, hey, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell essentially uh, are just out two weeks like they, you know, had a two-week injury. If that is during the seeding games, 
that's fine for the Jazz. The concern is if, yeah, suddenly nine players on the team have it. And I, I think, remember, like, right when that happened, I maybe seven teams, like, tested their entire team. The Nets had, like, four players. I think the Lakers had three players. You, you could play through that. They need the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers. The Celtics. The Celtics. I mean, this goes back to too many, too many people were invited to dinner. I mean, that's 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 what it comes back to to me. It's but if the it's, Lakers it's, it's, had it right like away, if you're, if, if you're if you're ever at summer league and you, you, look, I love summer league. You see a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends. There's always that friend who invites way too many people to dinner, and it's nothing against all those people, but you want to have a nice four to five person dinner. That's what you want to have after the gym is out at Thomas and Mac. You want to have a nice four to five person dinner. You start inviting everybody. Suddenly, it's a logistical nightmare. Oh, this person's working on something. Oh, maybe this person needs a ride. They have six. They have six. A table for six, not for seven. Yes, yes. This feels like a too many people invited to dinner kind of situation you invited you wanted zion to come to dinner and you had to invite all of zion's friends <laughs> you had to invite the wizards and nets who aren't bringing any yep. of their best players yeah but i i, I don't if, just looking at this not knowing how it's going to turn out but looking at what's happening already bradley beal pulling it now not for supposedly not for covid reasons but for a shoulder but i think we can all guess that covid had something to do with this but you know the wizards had very little shot right it was it was it didn't matter what they were going to do you're seeing the Nets more and more players now pulling in Dinwiddie, which was the one expected, and he's pulled out. And, you know, I, I don't even know who they have left to play guard on that team. But, like, I think we're going to see that happen even within the bubble. Like, when teams are almost out of it or, or basically out of it, what should the player stay for? And, and maybe we'll see a team just give up, you know, four games in, six games in. What if they're down three nothing in a playoff series and they're get, oh, wait, you know what? I'm now scared about COVID, you know, because it, it's a shifting line. It's like, do I, do we think we have a chance? Are we going to get some out of this? Now it's not. I think you see that equation being added up in players now on the lower level teams. But as they move through it, like, you know, somebody, one player tests positive and you're the Lakers and you're up three nothing, you're going to keep going. One player test positive and you're the Memphis Grizzlies and you're down 3 nothing. Maybe you go, you know what? This isn't really worth the risk. And I'd <laughs> kind of like to see my kids. I think we're going to see something like that. I think they better be ready for it. And maybe watching the other leagues go through it, watching the MLB, you know, players pulling out or, you know, Mike Trout on the fence about whether he's going to play the season. That, that's got to shake the entire industry. I think maybe, again, this delay wasn't intentional. This delay wasn't. You know, it was nothing but a delay, but they are going to see other leagues, how they're dealing with it and what decisions players make when they're going through it. Maybe there's a shot at it. And and I'm just looking at possible first round. There's some ridiculous. There's going to be some terrible matchups as there is in every oh, the NBA e, playoff. The East 1-8 oh, and 2-7 are going to be terrible. It's like it's a continuation of, of the summer league aspect. Who's the most annoying guy who got invited to dinner? Uh, in, in your estimation uh spurs don't, without aldridge yeah, i was gonna say i was gonna say don't name anybody uh, in particular ethan because i think you're picture you're picturing people from Las Meta- Vegas. metaphorical metaphorical in terms of the teams you know spurs. the wizards i don't think we all comprehend how bad then like the nets are bringing oh the nets no the nets are like yeah, and they're the in the playoffs ter- i mean as of the now ne- they could drop out the Nets have terrible body odor. They're they're yelling over everybody. They're spilling drinks on the table. That's that's what the Nets are doing right now. I have a question for you too, because the the people I talk to seem to believe like the next fourteen days are vital. It, you know, it's like the setup of the bubble, uh, the making sure they identify who has it 
on the way in and you know it, it doesn't kind of snowball from there if the next 14 days go relatively well i mean yeah sure there might be a case or two but it's nothing crazy will would you then become optimistic if they get to the point where they're starting the games and nothing crazy has happened by august oh, yeah. 1st because you didn't you didn't sneak in a bunch of covid apparently yeah i think at that point certainly good news is good you you would start to get optimistic now you still don't know if the bubble is impenetrable or not, right? So there's that. At least there would be a sense that a ton of it wasn't smuggled in and the paranoia that ensues from that. So yeah, that would be that would be positive. I'm generally more positive than Ethan while also, you know, acknowledging there's going to be problems and and we're seeing it in other sports. Of course they're gonna see it in that one and in some ways, the bubble could almost make it worse because you are confined to this space. And uh, if it gets going, it, it, it might be hard to stop. But if there's 14 days, like we're seeing with baseball, there's a big, big problem early and we'll see if they get through it. I think baseball is going to get through it. They're going to start. At least, I have the feeling that these winter sports that have been delayed, they're all going to start. The playoffs are going to start. Hockey, baseball is not a winter sport, spring sport that is starting late, and basketball. They're all going to start, and then we're going to see how they deal with it once something else happens later. I think they're determined to start. The TV schedules demand that they start, if they can, if possible to do it. Uh, then you have to see how they adjust to something that you don't know is going to happen, to you know, random the chaos theory. Like one thing happens over there that happens over there that happens over there. What are you going to do big picture? I believe they're going to start this. I believe the first round is going to happen. Then we'll see, you know, maybe then teams, as they eliminate teams, it'll get easier and easier to do this. But like the first couple of weeks, I'll say if they get through the first round with minimal occurrences of, of a crisis, then then I'd feel a lot more optimistic. If right before the second round, because there'll be eight teams left, so you'll have eliminated a ton of teams. They're supposed to bring families in. That present, you know, <laughs> that could present this That's a second. whole other thing. A whole other the thing. The NBA again. They're really just trying to. They're, they're trying to play on all Madden. They're trying. They're not trying to play on rookie mode right here. <laughs> so Marcus and I have a whole other run on this that we will not do here. Since he's not here, I won't even attempt to do it on what the possible other complications might be. But I think we can all imagine that the length of time, the length of time involved here is <laughs> the kind that Stephen be, A. Smith didn't even allude yes, to. Yes, I think just, that might be the start. That might've been the start of the, the run that we were going on. Just explicitly, explicitly. And I use explicit intentionally. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's a bit of uh, an issue, but I will say for the NBA, they don't seem to have the kind of division that the MLB has the sort of, Aired contempt. There's a lot of contempt between players and owners in the MLB, and I'm not seeing that so much well, in the NBA. How about the MLB's plan? By the way, they're going to they're flying to different cities and stadiums. Like you know, when we talk about like the NBA, is like how tough it'll be to pull off. It's way more reasonable than the MLB, right? I mean, I guess the MLB is saying, look, we got so many players that if nine players test positive, here's nine minor leaguers coming up to play. <laughs> yeah, um, but there's no minor leagues to even get them from. Yeah. The MLB has going for it is obviously outdoors. So they at least have that going for them and not as much contact in the sport. But in a way, I would push back where... How about an MLB um, locker room, though? That's not the most sanitary place. Well, yeah, they're, they're expanding those. Sean Doolittle said something interesting that sports is a reward for a functioning society, which is an eloquent sentence and probably some truth as far as our leadership uh, is concerned in the United States and how this has all been handled. But there's also just this reality that the United States is big 
It's big. It's 28 times the size of Germany, where they had the they had the uh, the German soccer league. And I mean, Bundesliga. I, yes, Bundesliga. I'm sorry. Yes, obviously, I'm an expert on the Bundesliga. But uh, or or if you're looking at the EPL, where you know England, the territory of England, is I think around three times smaller than the state of California. I mean, just imagine how much easier doing a lot of this would be if that was the territory we were talking about. We were talking about one-third of the state of California. Suddenly, a lot of this gets more attainable. I think this is almost an, an underplayed story. It's so banal, but part of the problem here is just that the United States is a huge territory, and it's becomes a big hindrance as far as transporting people and trying to get this done safely. And that's why, you know, the NBA, the bubble aspect of it is is understandable. Like, let, let's just bring everybody to one spot, and we don't have to worry about all these other possible areas of contagion, all these area areas of overlap. Let's just do it. And, you know, I think they do have a shot at this. And practical reasons, they wanted certain players in, they wanted certain markets in, they wanted to extend it as long as they can and deliver for their TV partners. Uh, and, and we'll see. Now, what, now let, let's say they start this. Do you think the quality of basketball is going to be something comparable to what we would have seen under normal conditions? Uh, <laughs> with Jason Tatum and other people saying, you know, I don't really want to do it. <laughs> I, I think I think it will be uh, once you get to right around that second round where the teams there are motivated by the ring. You know, where we're like, I mean, let's just think about what the what the eight teams would be. You have Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, let's say, uh, Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Sixers. You know, those eight teams all would think like, you know, if stuff breaks right, we can win a title. And by then, I think they'll have gotten used to the environment. And I think we would have a very good second round conference finals, NBA finals. Not to the level of like what we've seen, you know, because you can't without the crowds. You know, part of the reason why the finals was so awesome last year was because not only did you have the end of Oracle and like what that all brought, but obviously like the finals being in Toronto just added so much to the storyline. You aren't going to get that, but I do think by the middle rounds, if we get there, it'll be high-level competitive basketball. Even if it feels like Summer League, it's still like the best players in the world playing Summer League. Yeah, they practice you know, in, in these conditions. I do think the quality can't be good. I, I'm, you know, I've written that I think the, the, the fans being there versus not being there is a huge deal for basketball because they're right on top of it. Baseball... Can, you know, can have a game and sometimes you know the crowd's there, sometimes you don't. Football, you know, it could be in a theater sometimes I feel like, you know, the emotions are big, but it's a TV game. Basketball, it, you know, these fans are right there. The noise, are we were built to, to feel it. I think it's going to affect it. And I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to affect the officiating maybe. It's going to affect a lot of these things. And maybe it's affect officiating in a good way <laughs> versus the way fans can affect officiating. But the, the emotion, the passion will be hard to, I think, conjure early. And then, yeah, we'll see if it builds up into the playoffs. But I, I, And, yeah, we'll see if the players, you know, who's affected by it and who's not. And, I mean, some players, you know, absolutely play to the crowd. Draymond without crowd would be interesting. It's not going to happen here. But, like, I, I don't know what that would be like. What Russell Westbrook with, without a crowd, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Just yelling at the, uh, you know, Tim Frank or something. Um, yeah, you, exactly. what? he could do that, though. He could do that. <laughs> Wait a minute, Tim Frank a tier one uh, player? I would have to think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, yo, so did you guys, I mean, Ethan, you met, your, sounds like you're writing about it. Did you guys watch any of the TBT? I've watched a little bit of it. I don't completely understand the ins and outs of it. 
I know Chris Paul as a team. Yeah. <laughs> what I did like about it was the setup of the court. You kind of had the curtain in the background with like, you know, it, it, it almost had the bracket was kind of like up on the curtain while they're playing. And like, I thought they set up the game for a TV viewing audience kind of cool. And I, you know, I don't think it's wise for the NBA to just have empty bleachers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know exactly. We None of us know what the optics are going to look like, but I think they need to use some of that money that we were mentioning to really kind of set up. And, and, and some of this is going to be on ESPN and TNT. If they can just, you know, maximize the TV like feel to it, I think it could be cool. But I, I, that's, that's a challenge. And that's a challenge that's way above, you know, my pay grade. It's, it's for those TNT and ESPN executives. And I know you guys wish it was NBC. At least the music, at least the music from NBC. I haven't really thought about this, but I was looking at it before we're doing the show. Like, who do I think could really flourish in relation to other teams? Like, who would I pick? And I'm just looking at this, like just like players that have motivation, clearly. You know, tight structure. I think coaching is going to be really big in this. Not coaching X and O so much as like just a command of the team. The team feels like they're being driven purposely by this guy. I'm looking at the Boston Celtics going, I like that group. I mean, again, we'll see about the motivation. You like him at 17 to 1? You like I that? I love one? him at 17 to 1. I, I'd put him up there with in his brain already. Yeah, I'd, he's figuring him out. Vegas is calling him to get those odds. I love my Thunder 100 to 1 long shot. Your thunder, I was right. looking at your Thunder going, you know what? They look like a team that could like spring a couple of upsets, but do they have guys who can finish at the end of games? And, and we do know playoffs comes down to that a lot. Well rested Chris Paul. I mean, the Raymond. Yeah, well rested Chris Paul. Well rested Chris Paul. Have, has he done it in the finals? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I just like Boston when they're two guys, Tatum and Brown. I'm a Jalen Brown guy. I always have been. Tatum has obviously took another leap this year. Now, the center is a ridiculous position for them. but Wings are king in the NBA. You know? Yeah, it is that the center doesn't even meaningful in this league anymore. I am looking at Boston. And obviously, Kemba feeling better. They got some finishers on that team, and I think they can take they can go a long way. I, I think they're going to at least in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if I'm Milwaukee, that's probably and I know what Milwaukee beat them last year, but that's probably the team I do not want to see right now. Toronto has this whole setup; they're already down there, you know, in or in uh, Florida. They have the coaching advantage we've talked about with Nick Nurse, twenty-two to one, twenty-two to one. They're, they're interesting. I mean, that's those are the two dangerous teams. To Milwaukee, I would say, in the East. And then the other one, the Sixers, you know, they've had such a janky year, but like they were kind of built for the playoffs as like this long defensive minded team. They're healthy again. Remember, Ben Simmons had a weird back injury that nobody knew how long he was going to be out. Then the season froze. Now apparently he's supposed to be back. So those are four good Eastern Conference teams that if that's the second round, that's interesting. Boston Philly potential second round uh, is loaded. I mean, that is a load. Like you look at the West, we talk about oh yeah, because it's the Lakers and the Clippers. But after that, you know, do we believe in Denver? Do we believe Houston's in Utah? Houston's going to be believe, very interesting. Houston, just yeah, be, interesting. You talk about a desperate team. Something I've noticed: the Nuggets have come down from thirty to one to twenty-five to one, and I wonder if that's because Jokic got it. And so now there's this insurance where he's got the antibodies, so you at least don't have to worry about the Denver Nuggets star, which is just a crazy thing to factor into gambling. But it makes total sense if that's what happened. Not that he lost 40 pounds and looks good. It's uh, that he's got the antibodies. The antibodies. (laughs) You know what's interesting? The Lakers had three players, but they'd never announced who they were. So apparently three Lakers have that, too. I just don't know who they are. 
Come on, Slater, you're Lakers right now. I know, right? Come on, give us us the analysis. if we do want to flip to that, two things. Number one, uh, I started the podcast today with Bill Orem, the Forum Club. Everyone subscribe, Mm -hmm. download, listen. You can even, even if you don't like the Lakers, you can hate listen to the Lakers throughout the Are you getting a percentage now? You getting a percentage of this? Hey, it's the same company we're working for, boys. You know, this isn't a new company I'm working at. Um, and if I was to flip it into a argument for the Lakers and, and why they're an interesting team, to watch uh is the lebron motivation factor you know talk about a guy who can who can probably sniff a a golden chance to go just kind of control an entire environment and go just take a fourth title that he knows maybe in the moment two decades from now we're saying lebron got his fourth title we're not you know it yes in the moment i mean sure the first take shows are going to debate is this even count as a ring for lebron but the reality is it will two other things i think lebron you know, you know, he stayed in unbelievable shape during this, and he almost could see this. Like, you know, he has a mansion. Apparently, there's rumors that the Lakers have some. There's like a really rich, like billionaire that has a an entire gym that is set up like the Staples Center, where they were able to get these kind of undercover team workouts in, kind of uh, unsanctioned during this. So you know, he's going to come in a good shape. You don't know where everyone else is going to be. I mean, I would imagine Giannis will be in unbelievable shape. Kawhi probably is. So the the top stars probably will be. And then for some reason, I just see this as an Anthony Davis type environment, right? The kind of sleepier arena. It's not like the full <laughs> level, like playoff atmosphere. And Davis will be able to go out there and get like 34 and 14. Uh, and like, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe that's just me from the outside. No, I, I, I see that too. I, I don't know exactly why I agree with you, but I do that, you know, in a, in a passionless world, it does seem like Anthony Davis could be King. Yeah. Uh, he's certainly so physically talented and I'm not a huge Avery Bradley guy, but him not being there, you know, that's one less guy they have to guard wings. And Ethan and I are wing crazy. I know that, but look at who's won the championships in the past. I mean, Toronto had a million guys who could guard the wing. Uh, well, Lakers got one of clearly, them. Yeah, Lakers, Danny Lakers Green, got, Danny you know, Green. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not without them, but that's one less. Yeah. No, and, it is. You know, you want one more than you want one less, and you know you certainly don't want LeBron having to guard anybody. Certainly not now. So it's going to hurt him a little bit. I mean, it gets that like you know, if you're going up against the Clippers and you need someone to go get Kawhi, that's you know, go get Paul George. They're both going to be on the court. Who gets one? And who gets the other? Does LeBron have to guard one of them? You know, it's just one of those that. I think that uh, it's a it's it's worth discussing. Is Alex Caruso going to go go guard one of those guys? Pope's had a pretty good year. The concern I I don't like Kuzma. I've been watching a bunch of Lakers game lately. He just I don't know. I don't see it really with him. He's shooting twenty nine percent from three, jacking up about five a game. He doesn't seem like a playoff level defender from just like a focus standpoint. And he would be your ideal like small ball four. If he defended like he should at his size, but he doesn't. So yes, your concerns are right. But Tim, you you don't like the the recent signs? I got J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters now. You, you don't think that's the yes, answer? I love that. I love that. That's a that's gold. It's gold there. They're Forty minutes a piece for those guys guarding Kawhi and Paul George. That's it's. I, I'd be surprised if J.R. Smith gets a lot of minutes. Frankly, that would be would be weird if he did. Waiters, and I don't know. I could see him go, jumping in there, see if he makes a shot or not, and pop him back out, kind of like his whole career. But Quinn yeah, Cook, I, I think Kawhi. it's going to be a lot. Quinn Cook, yeah, Quinn Cook's another one. I'm not so sure. You want a guy like Avery Bradley isn't a guy you're going to go. Gee, the series revolves around Avery Bradley, and you might not even think about him the whole series. But about two games, you might go. There's about 
15 minutes here that you could really use Avery Bradley. And I don't know that they've got quite enough that you can, you can just say, ah, you know, this guy can jump in for him. Now, offensively, yes. Defensively, I mean, you know, it, it might mean a lot of Kuzma slightly out of position. It might mean some other weird, you know, Caldwell Pope is fine, but he's just fine. Uh, I, I wonder about that one. You know, in, in, when, when every little thing counts, that's one I wonder about. And I just, if you're them, you do not want LeBron having to chase one of those guys around. You just yeah, Clippers are the concern for them. Doing. I think. I think it comes down to it. L. A. L. A. I like them against any other team. Let's see where the Clipper Clipper odds. Oh, are no, right you here. can you can hear him dialing up the odds <laughs> on his computer. He's been doing it. Thirty three to ten. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, if you guys want to have a Warriors topic, I'm writing tomorrow uh, Warriors offseason target of the week. I'm doing like one a week. I did Moharkless last week. I'm doing Kelly Oubre. It would be as a draft night pick swap with like Phoenix, who if the lottery odds go, you know, relatively normally, Phoenix would be right around eight, nine ish. And the Warriors, let's say they get two, three, whatever. I am proposing a pick swap, which I do think is very much going to be an option with different teams. But, you know, let's say the Warriors go three to nine. They get Kelly Oubre into the trade exception and they go back and get like a Halliburton or an Isaac Okoro, you know, somebody they could get a little bit later down in the lottery. And the appeal to Phoenix obviously would be come up and, you know, maybe you're in love with Obi Toppin next to DeAndre Ayton or LaMelo Ball to pair next to Devin Booker. What do you guys think of that idea? Do you even like Kelly Oubre? No, I, I'm not a Nubre guy. Marcus should be here. If only Marcus was here, because Marcus is a Nubre guy. But I've just always wondered with him, what does he, what does he excel at? What is he bringing you beyond being a, being a wing? He he had a really good, like he by far had his best year this year. I think he averaged 19 a game on pretty good efficiency, shot the three well. Um, you would be betting on the jump he made this year. You know what is his main? You know what is his main skill? Basically, he's not much of a passer. Three and D, right? Three and D, theoretically. He could be kind of like your lightning scorer off the bench a little bit. Yeah, lightning scorer, I suppose. I mean, I, I'm not going to claim expertise on how good a defender he is. I haven't heard much about him reputationally. It hasn't stood out. I mean, nice steal rate as I look down the list. Yeah, kind of a better shooter than uh, than I remember him being, even if it's not represented from, from deep free throw-wise decent enough but you know 35 percent last year 5.5 attempts i might be wrong on this because he's young he's progressing so he might be turning into a real player but he's just he's not somebody where i've ever thought in the way that i really like say covington where i think oh i really like covington i i feel like covington could really help them i just don't think that way about Ubre, and maybe i should but he's just not somebody where that's he would that's definitely be like their sixth seventh man which which could be you know in a team that really drops off you know it's top heavy rotationally it could help and then you know tim you mentioned the money yeah i think he's about 14 million on a one year deal um you know he only has one year left on it. and he's unrestricted that's why you know phoenix doesn't think they're going to retain him it might be wise to kind of uh get some value out of him and then but the you know, the Warriors obviously would be adding that big salary, but by moving from, let's say, two to nine, you do shave off a lot from the rookie salary. So uh, it's not as bad money-wise. Uber hits me on three different ways. I think I think he's a decent player, but I'm not sure. He's still pretty young, too, right? He's like 25, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, very uh, young to be going into yeah. restricted free agency, which is kind yeah. of Yeah, and explosive player. He definitely has a, a lot of things you like at the wing in this, in this wing-obsessed league. 
but it's a lot of money. So you'd be paying on top of luxury tax. Obviously, this is this is possibly like a twenty eight million dollar investment to him or more, given their luxury tax position. So you got to think about that. Then they would not have him, at, you know, signed up after that. You are looking at possibly having to pay him more, possibly losing him, having to make a decision there. You know, Wiggins is a, is a problematic player for a lot of reasons, given the money, but they don't have to worry about him, right? I mean, he's theirs. And if he explodes, he's theirs. If he's bad, whatever, he's there. They figure it out. And Oubre is, is a question mark. And, you know, if you think you're going for it next season, then okay. I, I don't know that they're quite there. And, and given the money, that would, the, the total, you know, luxury tax plus salary plus not having him next, the season after this under contract, at least, that would be problematic. And, and I don't know that he's good enough to, to put you in that situation. Is Josh Richardson a way better player? Maybe not way better. I, I just like kind of. He's the, probably a better fit into the role that you yeah, want him. Exactly. And, and, and I just like the way that works in my head more than I like Kelly Oubre, who. You know, someone's probably going to want to pay him eighteen million a year. You know, in a year, and I don't think the Warriors can or want to pay that for Kelly Oubre. So, especially when you have you know Andrew Wiggins also at the position making thirty-two, so it gets complicated. Oubre is, is just for me kind of not by a lot, but by a little in, in a lot of different categories crosses my line on what the Warriors probably can do with that or would want to do that in a way that Josh Richardson probably is just under the line in all those categories for different reasons. And I just think he's a better player, or at least a better a better complementary player. I like Josh Richardson. Richardson, I agree, is better the, in, when I'm talking about... It would cost him more. It would cost him more. It would cost him more. I mean, in a trade. Tra- yeah, not only that, but there's not... To me, I, I do like the simpleness of you pick swap back, but you still stay like kind of mid-lottery. Whereas, like, you know, Philly, you can't pick swap of Philly because they're going to be sitting there in the 20s or whatever. Richardson would be your first round pick. It essentially would be like your first round pick. It's, it's what the way it would work. Now, I think he's probably better than anybody they're going to get at four, let's say. But with this draft, we don't know. And Richardson's really young, too, right? I, I mean, again, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. But I think he's like 23. So, you know, you could see a lot of upside there. I think he does have room to grow. I might just trade the four pick for Josh. I might. I, I don't know that I would have, but I might. Something I don't want to get too off topic. It's something that I've been thinking about. I do wonder if the Warriors could have gotten that Wolves pick without a protection because that protection really just makes it makes the next draft less tantalizing in a way. And you just wonder, I just wonder how large that's going to loom potentially if that draft is what it is represented as. And the number one pick is the sure thing that we think, you know, if we're talking about Cunningham, Ethan, if you're trading with the Warriors, if you're an opposing franchise and they offered you, well, you can have this top five pick right now, or Minnesota's unprotected in a better draft, but you don't know what Minnesota's pick will end up being. And like you said, top three protected. What would you rather have? What pick is more appealing to you? Wow, that's a great one right there. Um, I think I go with the Wolves because it's a, because of better draft next year. Yeah, and I think I think that's how the league sees it too. I think that's how the league sees it, so it's higher value. I really think that, and it's funny though. In a zig when others are zagging way, I also think the Warriors should make this pick in 2020 and potentially trade their 2021 pick because the timeline, you need to get aligned with the timeline. And a year later is a year older and needing more development. And the league views that pick next season 
as intensely valuable. So maybe you're better off because the league doesn't so much value the 2020 picks, but it does value the 2021 picks. Maybe you're better off just holding your nose, taking your shot at your 2020 pick and keeping it and swapping the 2021 pick just because the other GMs find it so tantalizing. And doing it before, and, and you guys may not agree with this, but I I could see the Wolves being like the 10th worst team, the 11th worst team in basketball next year. And suddenly, yeah, it's a great draft, but if you're picking 11, like, you know, that's not that. I would rather have the second pick this year than the 11th pick next year, regardless of the top-end talent not being the same. I don't know, dude. I, I don't know, man. The like, 11th you, pick? Next like year? the amount of wings in next in next year's draft. How much is it like? Is, there's like there's considered like outrageous. Five, five or six really good top level ones though, right? I mean, you can you can get to ten. It's crazy. It's crazy. And maybe it maybe if we had a college basketball season and we saw these guys, uh, you would get some of the sheen would come off. But right now, at least right now, it seems like you can just on wings alone you can get to 10 very tantalizing prospects. And I say that with a lot of caveats just because I'm talking about footage out of high school gymnasium, so it's not like I know how to weigh all of that and know how it's going to translate. But it's just a very different situation than this. Than so this so as of right now, would you still take Killian Hayes 1 in this current draft? Are you still yeah. there? Where like if you if Killian Hayes said I'm not coming out till 2021, where do you think Hayes would be on your big board right now? Very early 2021, would he still be? I mean, would he be four uh, or five? Would he be 10, 11? I think it'd be hard to crack the top five. I, it, there's a lot I don't know about that draft and how it'd shape up. But wings are king. Yeah, wait till I mean, some like, of these tape t- come t- out t- on some of these wings in college. Remember Nico Mannion? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be like, oh, yeah, never yeah, mind. Nico, N- yeah, Nico Mannion. Yeah, he really fell off after a nice, nice beginning. One thing looking at these, like, like these guys, some of them are six ten, right? These guys are six ten wings, so that's really good. Sometimes it also is like, ah, they're not, they're not wings. They're just really long guys who don't have, play on the post. So uh, I think you have to see about that and you have to see him against some kind of competition. But I'll just say, and, and, and not trying to look too stupid here, but hey, current picks just have more inherent value than future picks. They do because they're now. They're players you can have for an, an extra year, that ha- a, year, a year more of Steph Curry's and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson's primes. You want them now. Again, y- yeah, you want the better player. And if next year is a better player, that, that's what you want. But the pick now... Without trying to be too, uh, you know, impulsive and trying to be too restless is worth more than, in general, than a pick next year. It just is. So, I, yeah, I agree with Ethan. I think they're going to make this pick and try to be smart about it and try to be the one who gets the right player. Tries, tries to be the one that, that picks Antonio McNice in, in the year that Joe Smith goes number one. Or Kevin Garnett in a year like that. And just make sure that you're smart. And Giannis in the year ben, that Anthony Bennett goes number exactly, one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Kawhi Leonard, and you know all all these things that happen in drafts. Can you be that team? Now they have not been that team uh, in a long time because they haven't had that pick where they could be that team. We shall see if they can be smart about it. If you get three, pick the guy that's the best player in the draft, and make sure that the other teams around you screw up. And we'll see if they can do that. That's the value this year. This year, that's the value. Not trading it. Unless some other team just goes crazy for somebody and you're sitting there and, and you can move it. And then next year, you see where that pick falls and maybe you move that thing. Or maybe you move that pick before that because of the value of it. Unknown to this point. It's still, it might not even be delivered if, if it's a top three pick. But 
Uh, I think you make this year's pick, and then the next one is the one that's highly tradable. I wonder if there's just an amount of picks that would equal the value of Cunningham on the market in 2020. I don't think you you're could making come up me with hype it. for my Oklahoma State Cowboys yeah, wow, this year. Wow. Although you know we're not postseason eligible, so that's not terrific. But um, you know, <laughs> well, most most number one overall picks don't play in the NCAA tournament these days anyway. So or, or play one or two games. I wouldn't mind winning the Big 12, even if we can't get in the NCAAs. <laughs> what is he? He's just strictly a two. What is he? He's he's a point guard who's six foot seven. He's strong. He's 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 strong. He scores efficiently. Great passer. Great pass. Yeah, great passer. And he can shoot. I imagine he can, I he can I shoot. Assume. I mean, there, there's one of those like oh, jump shots. Lems a consideration, but I think he can shoot. He can shoot the three, and he effectively has everything. Possible. He's gonna love his time in Stillwater so much. He might. He oh, might stay he in, might. an extra year. He might say. I might say four, four years. years. I think we're looking at Tim. Yeah, Tim Duncan. Wake I was just asking there. for two Marcus Smart style, but I'll take four. <laughs> but some people say some people say that um, it's Jalen Green should be the number one pick. I mean, there are those who say that. I I just see the skill level of Cunningham. I I prefer a little bit to the just crazy athleticism of Green. But those are the those are the guys who come up the most when they talk about number one pick. The Warriors have to get this this year's pick right. They just have to get this year's pick right. That's like you can you know they can luck into it next year maybe, but it won't be top you know it won't be in the top three with Minnesota's pick. They they just have to make sure they get this year's pick and are good next season, and then and everything builds from there. Like it did when they were in the five finals year. It just built from them being very good. Or, or that guy, you know, that guy who wanted to come from Oklahoma City. He wanted to join a good team, not a bad team. True. Uh, if and if you get the pick right, it's a trade asset right away. You know, if you have a good rookie contract, rookie. That's as good a value as you can get. That's the way that the Clippers got Paul George. That's right there. That's how they did it. All right. Uh, appreciate it this week. Uh, next week, I don't know. We're probably not doing like a flashback thing. Maybe, you know, teams will start to be on Orlando. I don't know how much like current playoffs we'll want to talk about, but I would say once the games start, we might be talking some hoops. There's always there's always something. There's always news. Deshaun Jackson created some news today. There's always something yeah. that comes out of nowhere. We'll find it. All right, guys. All right. See you.